We're not crazy, the system is. Tune in to Madness Radio, Voices and Visions from Outside Mental Health, Wednesdays 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on Pacifica Affiliate WXOJLPFM 103.3 Valley Free Radio. Produced by Freedom Center and the Icarus Project. Streaming live, podcasting, and archived at madnessradio.net. Thanks for tuning in to Madness Radio. This is your host, Will Hall. And uh, today we're actually going to be speaking with um, five folks who are involved with the Icarus Project uh, about the Icarus Project's a recent event um, that happened at uh, Virginia Tech. And um, maybe I'll just uh, start out by going around and saying who we have here and what your involvement is. I'm uh, Thomas Burke, and I'm a student at Virginia Tech, a senior. I'm Madigan, Bonfire Madigan Shive. Um, one of the founding collective members of the Icarus Project. Hi, I'm Molly Springlemeyer, and I um, am from Asheville, North Carolina, and the Radical Mental Health Collective there. I'm Maggie Clifford. I'm a senior at Virginia Tech, and I'm from Rochester, New York. Hey, I'm Sasha DeBrule, and I'm a co-founder of the Icarus Project. Um, great. It's really great to have everybody here, and um, we're actually meeting uh, have doing this interview right outside the campus of Virginia Tech, and maybe somebody can just kick us off by um, talking about what it was that happened yesterday, the the discussion and and how this how it came to be and everything. Okay, so this is Sasha speaking. So um, we did an event last night on the Virginia Tech campus, which was organized through a professor at the English department, and um, we're actually, there's a group of us that's on tour right now, traveling around to college campuses and community centers and doing events, and really, um, since the events of April 16th on, on the Virginia Tech campus, we've been in communication with folks here and very excited about dialoguing about alternative visions of mental health support and trying to create more space for, for dialogue. Um, so yeah, last night we had a we had an event with about twenty five people, and it was pretty amazing. I don't know. So what was amazing about it? What was amazing was just the. I feel like um, you know at any Icarus project gathering, it it's all about the stories and it's all about creating space for people to tell their stories. And I think just the energy in the room was so. Um, charged with I think there's a lot I mean the students here I'm sure they'll they'll talk plenty themselves because we're just the ones passing through town but I think there's a lot of folks who have a lot they want to talk about around here and creating some space for it felt really good it just feels like the like what we should be doing um. I thought it was really interesting that the it was a bit, to me seemed like a very diverse room like coming into it I thought it may be mostly uh, students and faculty, but in fact, um, Neil, who had to leave, who was there with us, an NYU organizer, we talked about how it seemed to be about a third students and faculty, about a third kind of counseling, mental health professionals, um, and about a third sort of mental health religious community members or something. Um, and that was really interesting to be in a space where all those different voices and perspectives were listening and uh, talking to each other. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm glad that, that it wasn't just one or two groups and it couldn't really run away this way. And there were a lot of checks for each uh, group, so to speak. So um, it ended up being a much more, like, like you said, diverse conversation. We feel like we went places where we wouldn't have been able to go otherwise. 
yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was very um, it was very powerful. A lot of the issues of suicide came up, and just um, violence and the the pain that goes along with um, you know when we talk about mental health, it sounds really abstract, but it was really present in the room. The kind of suffering and just I mean I'm sure everybody who's listening knows but there was a mass murder that happened on Virginia Tech and 30 34 people 34 people 33 people died and um, it became a huge nationwide focus and the media kind of descended on the town and there was a lot of concern about okay we need to put more more um, policies in place to lock more people up or force them on drugs and then how do we counsel people and how do we respond and um, so it was, it was just um, really interesting to be invited here and to be presenting some kind of alternative view and sort of see what kind of response there would be. I felt like I had an opportunity to talk about some of the ways that we've decided to deal with this uh, tragedy, which has all been reactionary in terms of like putting, we haven't, we didn't actually talk about this there, but like putting locks on doors or putting signs around the Blacksburg community, like we're Virginia Tech, we will prevail, or uh, we're Virginia Tech, we're good, we're going to be all right. Um, but the things that we're doing now are reactionary to the tragedy, like people are fighting for stricter gun control and like having more security on campus and, and being more rigid in our standards. And instead of really focusing on the, on the causes of something like this or how somebody can feel so alienated in a community that they would they would commit something like this yeah I mean the something that that was really clear last night was the um, the, the way in which had the mat like the the way that the 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 town here has has responded to the tragedy um, has been to really um, you know, t there, there are these signs all over the place. It's really interesting to see, you know, driving around these Virginia Tech, we will prevail signs everywhere we go. Um, it feels like almost like war. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it has this like quality of we're in, we're in a war here fighting against our, ourselves or, some, or something, you know. Um, and for me, as an outsider coming in and, and just seeing the, you know, the, the military, the cadet folks mm -hmm. running around, and this is a very, this is a, I don't come from a place like this, and it's really interesting to that the the military environment and the conformist nature of that environment is feels really alienating to me. And I something that I talked about last night was just my understanding as someone who spent a lot of time in my life feeling alienated in environments I've been in, just knowing that there's always people who feel alienated in, in environments, and that the that the ways that that people are being like that that the outreach is being done is going to affect some people well and then there's all these people who it's never actually going to end up reaching and so the what's so powerful about being able to come to a campus and and create some space for alternative dialogue is just knowing that there's like that there's I just want to see it happen more I you know I just want to figure yeah. out how we can have it 
happen more honestly i woke up at 5 30 this morning with a start just like having this like vision in my head of um when we were walking through the english department yesterday um on our way to the the office of the woman who put on the event bernice there were these stickers on on most of the doors that said safe zone virginia mm -hmm. tech safe zone because there's this lgbt safe zone mm -hmm. training that goes on here and something we've been talking about with the icarus project for a number of years is the idea of having creating safe zones and doing trainings on in residence halls and in campuses like in classrooms to to teach um to just raise awareness about mental health issues and about how people might communicate with each other better so it's just you know it's like this last night was somewhat of a tease and that like i think there just needs to be so much more um uh, i'm glad you i'm glad you brought up the safe zone thing sasha because before the shootings, I was in um, one of my classes, it's called Community Involvement, and a woman came in to talk about um, diversity issues at Virginia Tech and what she had done and how she'd carved herself a niche to, um, not really sure exactly what she did, but <laughs> she went to a forum on um, diversity issues at Virginia Tech, and uh, she told a story about it was either her who stood up and said this or somebody else who stood up and said, um, does somebody have to die before we actually do something about, about the di diversity issues we have in Virginia? Because we've had various instances where, like, the at Squire Student Center, um, I remember the door to the Black Student Alliance was vandalized. Um, there have been, I mean, I've been called a fag from a passing pickup truck probably three times now just walking down the street minding my own business um, I'm pretty sure Maggie has also uh, I mean it's not it's it can be a hostile environment I still really love this community but as after the shootings one of the first things that came to mind was her story of somebody saying does somebody have to die before we do something about this and while it was somebody you know, this was certainly, probably wasn't what that woman was thinking about when she got up and said that, but, I mean, we're talking about alienation when we are discussing um, any sort of diversity, aggression due to diversity. Um, and Cho definitely felt, was alienated, I mean, just by listening to um, some of the interviews that his um, roommates gave they weren't very inclusive of him so I mean I feel like it's no secret that I th a lot of people feel like we're creating an alienated culture we're creating this place where you you know communicate online you communicate like through all these different mediums that are rarely person to person and like and it's becoming more easy to do that yeah yeah you can live your whole life online and um it's like in the face of that it becomes uh, maybe not more important but just as important to have these interactions with humans and creating this loving environment and creating safe places everywhere you go just like having this like <laughs> safe sphere around you like you are you are perfect the way you are you're you're safe here with me and I don't feel like that's there's that's created here and people aren't for some reason people aren't learning how to act that way in a community and I'm not sure why something that we found with doing our organizing at New York University is that when we 
tried to have mental health support groups on campus for students. Mm -hmm. Students either didn't come or when they did come they felt really uncomfortable mm -hmm. and it didn't really work and so what ended up happening was we shifted our focus from having mental health support groups to having discussions about mental health issues mm -hmm. and showing videos and like having materials that people could focus on so that it wasn't like because it's really important that people talk about themselves but it's also terrifying to mm -hmm. so many people to tell mm -hmm. their personal stories mm -hmm. so having I think something that would be wonderful that could happen on this campus would be to have like a series of discussions you know maybe showing some films or mm -hmm. showing and then like having questions after that and I don't know just like yeah yeah what was really great is I we talked afterwards after um the event and apparently some of the counselors that came were really skeptical and they were ready to kind of mm -hmm. defend and just sort of criticize what we were doing and come out against it but I think we really didn't meet those expectations we were coming with a really different spirit and a much more of a listening collaborative kind of spirit and at the end I think there was just a, such a really strong togetherness that having people really felt very positive about it and it seems like um, there would be an opening or something like that because I think that was something that people said that there weren't really there was a lot of like okay call this toll-free number for a counselor or get help if you or if you see someone who needs help please approach them but is it true that there weren't really like group community kinds of responses to the tragedy uh, well uh, for me I wasn't actually in town right when it happened um, so I'm Thomas would be a better person to ask about uh, well I mean, w when I brought up the absence of, of these group sessions, I mean, that's just my experience. Um, and one of the counselors said that she experienced numerous group sessions. But I don't, I, I, what I was trying to get at when I brought up that point was that the emphasis was placed on, um, you know these 1-800 call this number kind of counseling sessions with somebody that you don't know that you've never met and while there was you know like these recommendations of you know just talk with your friends it, I, I feel like that wasn't the primary it, that was the emphasis wasn't placed upon that the emphasis was placed upon there are professionals available and who are these professionals I don't know and to me that's like that okay even if people are talking to their friends people are talking that still doesn't convince me I mean maybe this is too skeptical of other human beings that I'm sharing space with but I just I'm I'm not convinced that a lot of the relationships that people have created are like have this structure in place of where they can depend on people and where they can like where they feel like they have real friends and like they have like they have the support system that I think you guys at the Icarus Project are trying to create I'm I'm not convinced that saying you know talk to your friends talk to people around you is really enough for some people because I'm not sure that they feel like this deep loving bond with people yeah um, from my experience organizing and and just being a part of a community where there is a real active um, mutual aid society it's it's definitely taken practice of you know really make being able to ask being mm -hmm. able to I think when when people are able to be vulnerable and show um, their weakness or tell that speak their truths it really it, it 
it creates a space, an opening for other mm -hmm. people to also speak their truths. Mm -hmm. And that is powerful in ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, y you don't see it overnight. You can't measure it, but it does. It really does ripple. And so I think when people are able to really step up and have honest conversations, mm -hmm whether that's you know with a chosen ally or somebody who seems safe or with a stranger because sometimes that's easier for some of us to speak with people who aren't personally invested in mm -hmm. our lives um i i do think that creates an opening for more of that yeah i think it was also really important that we you know we presented kind of some of the basic icarus project principles in the beginning just notice noting that People who take psychiatric medications are welcome. People who don't take psychiatric medication, if you want to define yourself as a psychiatric label, that's totally accepted. If you take a different perspective, that's totally accepted. And I've found in, in a lot of groups that that really helps to just change the atmosphere, that people really realize that you're focusing right on what is a hot-button issue around diversity and just trying to deal with it right away and just making sure that it is a safe space because there was a lot of different perspectives in the room, people who feel really helped by the system and then people who just feel totally abused by the system because both of those experiences are real and, and present. I think that the, the issue of whether, like, being able to talk to your friends and then your friends not being able to help you, I mean, that's a, that's a huge issue and I think that that's something that a lot of college students can relate to. I think a lot of people in the world can relate to and just not feeling safe talking about the personal issues that they're going through. And I, one of my hopes with the work we're doing with the Icarus Project that, is that we're going to play a, a part in helping to bring some really concrete tools to people that they can use to be able to create more, like create spaces where they live that are more, where there's are more inclusive of being able to talk about their feelings. We've been working on this whole idea of creating these mad maps or wellness maps mm -hmm. where really trying to um, have people describe what their their warning signs are if they're having issues and being able to describe themselves when they're in a good space so that they can know if they're in a bad space how mm -hmm. to get back to being in a good space and then being able to share with the the people in their lives like how like how to get back to um, how to get, how to be able to um, help them, how to be able to be there for them. I don't know, there's like, uh, I, I just see, I just see a lot happening. I, I just see a lot of use for it <laughs> around here. And yeah. One of the most powerful moments for, for me was um, when a woman there was just really skeptical about the idea of dangerous gifts and kind of the message and are we romanticizing um, this this suffering that people go through and uh, she has had just lost a relative to suicide like eight weeks earlier and that was a really really tense moment and it was like she said she was ready to leave and she wasn't sure she could really trust everyone there and I think that the key thing is that those kinds of feelings don't ever get talked about people just have that perspective and oh this this kind of thinking is just romanticism and they don't actually get a chance to dialogue with people who maybe have a broader view and then realize that actually no it's not quite so simple that we do actually recognize that there's complexity here yeah that that was really powerful for me as well um, and meeting that woman and hearing her story um, but also um, you know speaking with her personally afterwards and and 
and and also watching her speak with her friends too and and just mm-hmm. kind of seeing something in her shifting mm-hmm. like seeing some you know i don't know understanding opening expanding or or something that that you know she came with a lot of um a lot of fear and um pain and mm-hmm. I, I think she left with some sense of comfort or some sense of at least something some some other movement to think <laughs> something else to think about other perspective I, I thought it was interesting um, when I guess one woman who was her friend who was one of the local counselors actually got up and started defending the Icarus project mm-hmm. after come uh, I mean I, I'm not sure how she felt about it when she showed up but um, it seemed like at least at that point, she was gung ho about the idea and about its its place. I mean, there's just something so powerful about poor people <laughs> sitting up there and being like, "Well, this is this is my life story. This is how I got here. There's some really serious, heavy things that happened to me in my life, and I'm sure they've happened to you too. Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't we talk about that? Why why would we keep that inside of us and allow it to brew? And I think something about that. Uh, it touched the woman whose sister killed herself, and it and it touched the other counselors there. And I mean, it certainly touched me too. Um, I, when when um, the folks from the Icarus Project were responding directly to the woman who had a, uh, the woman whose sister had killed herself eight weeks before, um, I wasn't sure if it that was really resonating um, with that woman, and that was another. That was the great thing about the dynamic and the diversity of the folks who showed up and how that that counselor, that professional counselor, so to speak, um, was able to kind of sort of translate, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. That's just kind of what hit me at the moment. Yeah, I think for me it really touched me um, when the woman who was the professional counselor said, that I think what these folks are really talking about is, is human difference. Mm-hmm and um celebrating that yeah and that was yeah really resonated with me and you know here we are too part of this tour is about in solidarity with sort of the equivalent of a national coming out week you know because it wasn't that long ago um you know that that being queer or homosexuality was a mental illness right and there's been a whole generation of activism around no our difference and coming out with our pride our queer pride and actually the the words mad pride even come out of that of the of the GLBT liberation movement and it was folks who had been in the system and given these labels or who related with those labels or you know who said wow no we have we have pride too and what we've experienced there's actually power in it we have we've learned we have things to share we have gifts to exchange mm-hmm. so the Icarus project after we're coming up on our five-year anniversary here of when the project was launched um, together with the community this last month of October that we're in is is drawing on our mad gifts celebrating um, diverse ability and cultural evolution and mad pride and and uh, just to even in- inject that into a room of so many mm-hmm. people uh, who would maybe not get the opportunity to make those connections and then see someone like this counselor basically us you know really realizing human difference and saying that um, that was really powerful for me and what Bernice said the the professor who brought us um, she tied a lot of it together for me too and how we're able to express 
that suffering and that sorrow and it was very powerful for me when she talked about how just cleared away all the the memorial sites were and how stark you know and it nobody was sort of you had to go through some corporate counts something office to see about putting something on Mm -hmm. you know to me it was like wow yeah has to be approved of how you grieve or what you bring to your experience of that and um, I was really moved by that and I, I told my little story about when we visited the memorial for the first time I it was I was struck by how stark it was and then you hear the the military music of the marching bands and the cadets because this school was originally a military school right mm-hmm. and there's all these differences happening in the air and I was feeling just so emotional about what had happened and the loss of life and the confusion and the sh- sorrow and um, there's all this gravel you know around that we will prevail emblem thing that looks right up at these huge foreboding administrative offices and I everything in me you know impulse control we talk about with those of us who have these sensitivities and I just I so wanted to lay down in that gravel and make like a gravel angel like a snow angel in the gravel and and I but I felt the authoritative power of the silencing um, of that opportunity and and the the possible punishment of following through with it and that made me very empathetic and sensitive to what it might feel like to be in this community right that I couldn't even express that one that does no harm gesture of healing just even in my own moment. Mm-hmm. And I have to say after that gathering, um, <laughs> I felt empowered by all of you and felt listened to in a safe space as well because we created that together really. And I, I went after that and I made my, my gravel angel. <laughs> yeah, I drove, the, I drove the getaway car. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Will. <laughs> Yeah, you brought up a lot about the um, the atmosphere. It's a really, I mean, all the buildings are this really heavy, intense stone, and hokey stone, yeah. And the um, and uh, it's very, it's like a suburban um, landscape here, and there are all these military ROTC and cadets going around, and it just got this really intense kind of feeling of just being at kind of the heart of the whole U.S. military mm-hmm. machinery around here, and then when the shooting happened there was all this very creepy kind of there was information that wasn't coming out and there was kind of like gaps in the story and some people were saying that there's cover-up or why aren't they answering these questions and it's just very very spooky kind of atmosphere here and I can see that this would not I mean this just I'm completely not from this community but just visiting it's like I could see how it would be really really hard to be an outsider in this community it felt very cons- conformist and very much like you're on your rigid track and that's it and there's nowhere else for you so it's interesting to think the Radford Army ammunition plant is like five miles away maybe mm-hmm. and I mean if you want to talk about a, a place <laughs> kind of representing the military industrial complex we've got the institution and the manufacturing f- facility and somewhat of the mentality but Definitely, we don't want to cast too much of a shadow upon the Blacksburg community because it can be a really beautiful thing a lot of times. I'm attracted to it, that's for sure. Yeah, I just want to jump in and say it's also autumn here and it's oh, just so gloriously beautiful. I mean, it, it, it is strikingly beautiful here um, along with, you know, those other yeah. feelings and, and kind of that grid box line reality. There's still beauty. 
Like there is this this conflict here because we do have we have this Blacksburg community here. We have like farmers market. We have really neat like coffee shop and vegetarian restaurant. Like this little corner. Actually, the farmers market is right there on the same corner. Um, but then we also have this like really intense hokey culture, which is like in my last class today they were all asking my professor to cancel class because there's a football game on Thursday so like all the other professors cancel class because they just assume students aren't going to come there's just like this really strong we talked about it a little bit last night this uniformity culture here like the orange and the maroon I'm sure this is true at any school that has a really big football or sports team at all but anyways yeah the Hokie is the mascot, right? The Hokie is the mascot and yeah. at orientation. Yeah, you, yeah, you what's a Hokie? I am! <laughs> That's what we learn at orientation. Freshman year. They're yeah. like, you gotta get oriented. Yeah, you gotta get oriented to the to the Hokie <laughs> lifestyle. Which, I mean, it's, it's cool. People, it seems like a lot of fun if you're in it. If you're in there and it's like, it looks like fun from the outside. Really but doesn't doesn't the word hokey mean phony? <laughs> That's an interesting point, Will. Um, <laughs> because we we've all thought it, <laughs> and I mean, especially those of us who are there on the periphery, kind of that we watch it, we walk through it, we 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 weave in and out of it, but we kind of like still stay out of it. Because you guys are kind of part of the anarchist info shop scene, um, somewhat. Yes, uh, that dirty dirty little word. Yeah. In info shop? <laughs> info shop, anarchy, <laughs> all of it. I just want to say to to you that you will prevail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I, I just I can tell. That we, we I have yeah, those meeting. are the uh, those. That's kind of like the equivalent of the yellow ribbon. Is there are these signs everywhere? We will prevail. And um, it was interesting. That was one of the first things that people said that you said last night. Actually, was like, oh, brother, there's we will prevail. It's like there's so. M- it just doesn't really do it. It's just, and everyone really kind of agreed that it was a really sort of a superficial kind of thing. Uh, I was just going to, I've been working trying to um, uh, get the info shop going, and we've sat for like six meetings trying to figure out the best language considering this culture. And anarchist is definitely a word that we don't use, and info shop's not even a term that we're using. We're the Burning Book Community Resource Center because community, like I was saying last night, like there's this community mo- movement and we, we're definitely going to be inclusive and it's just unfortunate that in this particular uh, culture, the term anarchist kind of makes people shut down a lot of times. But What, what about radical? Radical, mm. you know, same thing. Yeah. But I mean, we're not in denial by any means. We're, we sit there and we're like, yeah, we're anarchists, we're radicals, we're you know, trying, trying to <laughs> to do something here, but uh, it's just you can't put that in the mission statement when you're trying to get the zoning board to rezone some structure for your use. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so if you're just tuning in, um, this is Madness Radio, and we're talking um, with a couple of students from Virginia Tech and organizer from Asheville, North Carolina, and folks from the Icarus project about an event um, that we did last night, a community dialogue on alternative mental health. You know, that whole issue of the word community and the word radical, when we were making the flyer to to send to you all, we we took radical out of it, you know, and it's really, it's language, you know, we we refer to ourselves as a radical community mental health organization, but I think there's probably a lot of people in this country who, when they hear the word radical, they think Islamic fundamentalists, Mm -hmm. they think, you know, like, and I think just for me, 
I think the reason I'm so excited about being here in Blacksburg is that I, I see I, like this like this is the heart of where we need to be doing organizing work and you know and really and this this town for so many people in this this school is such a symbol of what's going wrong you know in this country and I feel like if we if if we put energy into organizing around here I, I feel like it'll be like it, it'll come back in a really like, well, I know that I know the word radical means getting to the roots, but what really do we mean when we say radical? That's kind of always a good discussion because it doesn't it doesn't mean we're Islamic fundamentalists or Christian fundamentalists for that matter. Yeah, I, the term that we we like to use is alternative because that's what a lot of folks tend to be looking for is some alternative to as soon as they realize how messed up uh, our social climate is here, then that's your next step: try to find an alternative. Yeah. Neil Gong, who just took off to go back to the city, we were having this conversation he, uh, about the word alternative, and he was saying when he was growing up, he, he listened to the alternative rock station, and he never knew what it meant, really. Just that's, that, was the, that was the music, that you know, was alternative rock. I think any, any word you use has the danger of having the meaning just sucked out of it and spit back at you, you know, so... Yeah, I can take it. I can take a shot at it. I mean, for me, radical means a couple of pretty basic ideas. One is we don't live in a democracy in this country. This is a, an oligarchy that's run by corporations and the military. The Democratic Republican electoral game that's played is really a sham. And if we were actually going to vote on any kind of real change, there would be opposition on a military level. It wouldn't be a dem democracy. Wouldn't reveal it. I mean, Bush basically stole those elections, and I think our entire culture is dominated by commerce and private property and profit and and you can speak and you can um, vote but within a very narrow kind of range of what's possible and what comes right down to it like money rules and pretty much all the liberal democratic politics that are out there don't really get to the heart of that issue of as long as we don't live in a democracy as long as people are um, dominated by private um, privately owned wealth and everybody's working for a living we're not really going to make any kind of headway for taking care of each other in fact we're going headlong into ecological disaster and racism and war and poverty globally so that's my little speech about what it is to be right <laughs> so read, read my essay on the website about it so <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of underscore what you were just giving us an oversight of um, something that I wasn't aware of until I came to this community yesterday and um, the woman who's so graciously hosting us here actually is a small business owner here and she does a sort of activist fair trade very progressive makes her own clothes stuff and the the backlash that she got from the community for not just diving into um the hokey thing and uh she actually got some hate kind of banners up on her store because she just didn't get in line with how you were supposed to appropriately respond to the to the events and the shooting, but what was even more eye-opening for me, and I'd love to hear some of your all's thoughts because it was went to some the heart of this issue for me, is people were asking her if her profits were up because people have been they've been making these uh, memorabilia and selling them, and that's how you're supposed to show your you know it's kind of like the war happened and it was like shop for America. Yeah, like op America open for business, and it's like we're profit, you know. And then, of course, my brain goes to, "Wow, was so was this actually a setup?" You know, I mean, sure. did did they manufacture this to manufacture? I mean, I can't help but go there in the context. And I'm wondering about you who live here, how you might well, feel about that. 
one thing I I walked into the tobacco shop and was talking to the guy who's the cashier there was the cashier there and he was like oh it's all conspiracy it was all set up without a doubt and I was mm-hmm. like well it's the first time I've heard somebody say that today it's pretty solemn and but I'm glad you can come out and say that and then also um, Margaret was saying how that that was a reporter from the Roanoke Times who came in and asked about whether her profits were up and I mean it was just another like oh my god the Roanoke Times is the most terrible piece of media I've I've experienced one day I the cover story was a ferret that got caught in a washing machine and survived mm-hmm. like okay. that's not news <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, obviously there was this feeding frenzy here after after uh, April 16th with the media, with people coming in. I still get requests. This is what six and a half months later, and people like like I'll be walking around our little corner, and uh, like a couple people, this happened a couple times. They will come up to me and be like, "Well, where's where's the memorial site?" And which is, it was just nice, like to go there, but it's like they. Uh, I am pretty certain that they want to go there to like take pictures of it and talk about it and be like, yes, I went there and which is, I mean, there's, for me, there's just something a little sick and twisted about it just like because it's, it seems like another, another way to like, I don't know, artificially deal with, artificially deal with the real grief that we're feeling I, I mean it, it just strikes me like you know it's just another it's just another aspect of the the culture that we live in where it's like it's like our society is predicated upon people like that like like hating themselves and and you know and just and really and feeling really empty and I think that there's there's such a lack of community there's such a there, like there's so many people walking around feeling so empty and and trying to get their their psychic sustenance from like the television or mm-hmm. from wherever that you know they want to feel like they're part of something real they want to feel like they're right. you know and, and that's and that's what a lot of tourism is and that's mm-hmm. a, you know and I think that that the way to the way to combat that the way to deal with that is to create community and to build mm-hmm. actual like positive structures that people can get involved in and mm-hmm. so I don't know I just I guess I see now with um, like we're all living kind of well I mean a lot of people are now living nomadic lives, like we're not staying in one place where we can develop these communities and have these close contact with, with people all the time. And so, I mean, again, that's one thing that like blows me away about the Icarus Project is like you, it's like that conscious effort to be like, okay, no, maybe we weren't born here. Maybe we're not going to be here for more than three years or more than three months, but like we need to be able to have these safe communities no matter where we go. And it's like, it's, it's not as if our lives happen in a way now that we're staying in one place and that we can know everything about everyone all the time. But it's like, if we make the commitment to being honest with ourselves and with everybody around us, then that's a good start. I mean, look at what's going on here right now. The people sitting at this table. Like, here's Molly. We've never met. We met for the first time yesterday. You know, <laughs> you know, we met you yesterday. Where there's like, there, yeah. The Icarus Project is bringing a lot of people together, and it's really exciting. And it's not in the traditional ways. You know, we're we're doing this tour around the country, and there we're, we're like connecting all these different people who are going to end up. I don't know who are like that. Like, we can talk about you know the alienation that the internet creates mm-hmm. by everyone spending so much time in front of the computer but there are also these ways that 
you know, in the same way, the, the oppressive climate here is really stifling but then as Molly points out it's like so beautiful yeah. <laughs> you know there's like like everything's really complicated you know and I and I think we're we're figuring out new ways of how to build community mm -hmm. you know and that's like that's where we're sitting at this table making it happen right. together you know? interdependence we're living that interdependence <laughs> we're not analyzing it or over intellectualizing it we're you know we're, we're walking together asking these questions and we're living them and holding each other accountable to our ethics and our desire mm -hmm. and our lived experience and mm -hmm. I think um, making space for the folks with the lived experiences who have been um, so ostracized and marginalized because their differences uh, you know and this there's a great history of that actually in this country as well that we suppress you know and it's hard to think about mm -hmm. that when like we've been talking about this military presence is so big or whatever, but actually we have a very large um, culture and history of resistance and solidarity and the folks from indentured servants to runaway slaves to, you know, this kind of tribal, this patois of a, mm -hmm. and I feel like this is actually indicative of, of a time we're living in and the culmination of that collective experience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's there's a really beautiful quote that's like from the 1880s or something and I it's an anarchist organizer from that time and and they're saying you know after so many years of hating ourselves and each other um, we're committed I'm totally paraphrasing this mm -hmm. but you know that's we're committed to finally loving each other and that's why we're against laws and we're <laughs> and we're for um, you know this interconnected interdependent solidarity so we were talking about um just how kind of outsiders come in and actually i think i even heard that the scientologists sort of swooped down on virginia tech um after the event and and i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't have come here without being invited you know i think it's very different kind of thing and i think it's important to really recognize that there's a there's like an outsider media frenzy exploitation that happens and that's really not where we want to go with any of the kind of support that the rest of the country wants to provide um, through the Icarus Project to a place like Virginia Tech. Yeah, I mean, I think what you guys are trying, what you're trying to say now is like, you, you, the Icarus Project now is on tour and you guys are going around to communities and hoping to begin to create spaces for people to let go of the boundaries and walls that we've created so that we can survive and like turn ourselves off to whatever is going on around us because some of it's like too painful or it's too nonsensical <laughs> like uh, even just some literally some of the structures literally some of the buildings and roads and cars are just like too much like it's just why is this here why why are there why are we building more parking garages why are we building um parking lots instead of uh green space I mean I just there's so many contradictions and confusion going on that it's nice that there are people now who are actually working to create a space where it's safe to talk about anything the conflicts that you're experiencing inside and I just I don't see it as something that is possible um, it's possible to create without Without that real human contact, I'm 
without letting go of the things that maybe we hold on to too tightly, if that makes sense. Um, we used to define ourselves, I don't know. I guess, I guess one of the trickiest parts of trying to be an organizer with the Icarus Project is is how, and I think it's, it's, you know, this happens with a lot of kinds of organizing, is that we have, you know, we're putting together these, these tools to give to people and we're trying to be an inspiring force, but we're also trying to, there, it's like coming into a community and trying to be inspiring and then leaving and then hoping that pieces of it are going to stick around and, you know, and, and then also trying to I mean, I think we did a really good job last night of of creating a space th that we opened up and to really let people speak their truth and, and talk about what was going on in their mm -hmm. community. And that felt really good, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I yeah, I, I just, um, I, I want to figure out how we can, how we can keep working together and, yeah. I guess I have a question for you guys, and how do you, how do you see events like this moving in the future? Is there like, is there some sort of protocol you do? Yes, last night you opened with that awesome video and the cello, which was so incredibly beautiful. I forgot to mention that to you. That was so wonderful. Um, but then creating that circle and create like physically creating a circle and being like all right we're all sitting in this circle we all like have an open say here is this is this like a natural progression you see these meetings going is that like what you're trying to is that how you foster um i think it's it's really it's different in different communities and 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 mm -hmm. who you know i think who comes really who comes and what they bring really influences often the direction you know something will take I remember before the event last night um, the other organizers were really um, ready to listen mm. you know really ready to just listen to this community um, and and I think that's what happened you know mm. um, but but it was guided largely by who showed up mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I think there was right at the beginning there was definitely some skepticism and some some you know guardedness um and I think we came out of it with just a really positive feeling and just a feeling like um there could be future events and I think we would get the support of people and the faculty and the counselors and also the students to try and create something whether it's I Icarus project kind of work or Asheville Radical Mental Health Collective, or whether it's just something in the spirit of this idea of creating an open safe space for people to talk outside of professionals and authorities controlling and setting the agenda. Yeah, I, s I see that what I think we're envisioning, what we're hoping for is that in the coming years there are going to be more and more campuses where events like this are going to be happening on a mm -hmm. regular basis and that it, part of the answer to your question is that yeah we do have somewhat of a formula about how we do mm -hmm. our events and, it, and, it, and it's always about creating, talking meeting agreements at the beginning and and telling some personal stories, and that's always how we do it, mm -hmm. you know, one one form or another. Um, but I, I think the idea, I think our power as a movement is going to grow, can, like the more, the more campuses are actually doing, doing this work, and I, and I and I think there's also 
some of the stuff that we talk about, I mean, it's a very interesting, there is this gaping, gaping void right now in college mental health mm -hmm. services. And all over the country, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do about it because there's this whole generation of kids that are coming to school that have, you know, and they've been taking drugs since mm -hmm. they were, like, they've been diagnosed with all kinds of things. And, mm -hmm. and the mental health services don't have... They don't have the resources to be able to support those kids and they're looking for alternatives and I think Virginia Tech is like the glaring example of how things have gone wrong and I, I'm hoping that we can take advantage of the fact that there's this void to really be able to build something amidst it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's shocking to me that the uh, it seems like the main thing that you can get out of something like this is just be honest honesty be honest with yourself and the people around you i don't it's just so simple very <laughs> i know very <laughs> radical totally i i don't i don't understand how we as a society have missed that like simple 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 thing honesty respect and that's how to be a human 101 but like that's totally missing it's gone yeah here we all are in deciding together what it means to be human right. and like what actual relief I sense we all feel when we check in with each other and that mm -hmm. basic humanity I think it was really interesting that it was humanities departments mm -hmm. like medicine and humanity stuff that invited us because I think that that's part of what we're really looking at like what does it mean to be human right now mm -hmm. under this blue sky with these clouds and how I act and how I feel and who, who sees what in that, you know? That's very, uh, I think, the heart of what we're saying, this radical honesty. Which to me brings it back to kind of our preparation for the starting the tour a few days ago, which is we went and saw the new director's cut of Blade Runner, um, several of us from the from the Icarus Project, and which we just love this film, and it's all about who is really human and who gets to decide who's human and not human, and how do you how do you lose yourself in a technological society, and then how do you gain it, and and um, so yeah, it is it is about how how do we be how how are we human, and it's a very simple question with a very radical answer I guess is that we have to go against the grain of society to be human mm -hmm. I just um, with Madigan talking about what it means to be human is I'm in the humanities department I'm in the English department and one thing that I found is like rarely are we ever specifically asked in the humanities to define what it is to be human so we are just about out of time listen I want to thank everybody for joining us today thank you Madigan, Bonfire Madigan Shive, and Molly Springlemeyer, Maggie Clifford, and Thomas Burke, who had to leave early. <laughs> Sasha DeBruel. And you've been listening to Madness Radio. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Madness Radio, voices and visions from outside mental health. Madness Radio is broadcast every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Pacifica Affiliate, WXOJLPFM 103.3 Valley Free Radio in Northampton, Massachusetts. For our live internet stream, podcasting, show archives, and more, visit madnessradio.net. Madness Radio is co-produced by Freedom Center and The Icarus Project. For more information, check out freedom-center.org and theicarusproject.net. 
For more on mental health radio, listen to the News Hour from MindFreedom.org, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have an idea for a story or guest on Madness Radio, or you just want to share what's in your head, contact us at radio at madnessradio.net. KWMD, Kasilov, 90.7, Anchorage, 104.5.